it's that time of week again. I'm so excited because Donna Smiley joins me from Take a Break magazine, which is our featured mag of the day. Hello, Donna. Hi, how are you? I'm good, thanks this week. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Just fed up with the cold weather. I'd like to, to be sitting outside in the sunshine. But... Do you know something? <laughs> you were saying that there was hailstones yeah. down yeah. in London a few days ago. I know. We've had snow here in Scotland today in Glasgow. It's not right, is it? It's, it's not right. What's going on? Do you know, I was sitting here talking to you this exact time last week with a summer dress on and sandals. It's crazy. You just don't know what to do, do you? like need two outfits for the day, one hot, one cold. Well, do you know something? <laughs> I actually came into work on Monday with a pair of kind of summery trousers and a summery shirt on yeah. and sandals again and I froze the whole day yeah, and I thought, that's no, the thing. I'm back to scarves and boots tomorrow, I definitely. Know, I was like the last week, then on Monday it was freezing so I wore... Like a polar neck and like jeans, and then I was so hot all day. I felt ill. I was like, oh my god. <laughs> oh dear, oh dear. We'll never get it right, will we? I no. think what we should do, Donna, is relocate, take a break, magazine, and uh, RNIB Connect Radio to somewhere like Spain or I'm Italy. Done. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I'm up for that or Greece. Definitely, <laughs> we'll open their uh, their offices over there. That'll do us yeah, nicely. Okay. That'll do it. Well, listen. Now that that's sorted, uh, we can get to this week's Take a Break magazine, which is as always fabulous, and uh, we'll start off with their first story this week which is look what I won at bingo so this is a story by Elaine Walker with her iPad on her knee Elaine settled down for the best part of her day it was bingo time she'd been using the same online bingo site for eight years and although the other players in the chat room were just user names to her they felt like friends but she particularly clicked with one user whiskey 666 from day one they shared the same sense of humor and had been dubbed the terrible twins by the other players because they bounced off of each other and gave everyone else in the chat room a laugh. As Elaine logged in under her bingo handle, Dukey11, a message flashed up. The chat manager had typed, We now have both of the terrible twins with us. How are you, Whiskey? she wrote. I'm great, Dukey, thinking I'm going to beat you, Dave, she replied. Elaine laughed out loud. Elaine lived alone since giving up her job as an international trade advisor due to ill health. Bingo had become a real lifesaver, filling her time and making the days feel less lonely. It was like being part of a little family, especially when her own family had been shrouded in mystery all of her life. Elaine had been adopted as a baby and brought up by the most wonderful and loving parents, Anne and Thomas Walker. She'd had a lovely life and she was a real daddy's girl, going to work with her dad while her four older brothers stayed at home. Her mum explained to her as a little child who she was and where she'd come from. She said that her mother wanted her to be adopted because she was living in a single room with no running water. When Elaine was 25, her mum gave her her adoption papers, which revealed that she'd got two brothers called Bill Kill and Richard Dutton, and two sisters, Jacqueline Kill and Wendy Taylor. When Elaine had a daughter of her own, also called Elaine, she started to wonder more and more about her siblings. In her 30s, her daughter Elaine researched her family tree. She discovered that Elaine was one of up to 10 children born to her mother. Eventually, Elaine managed to track down her brother, Bill. Three months later, she walked into a hotel room to, sorry, hotel bar to meet him and her sister June. She was shocked to learn that her birth mum had been had told her siblings that she died as a toddler. I'm sorry, she said, but that's sick. Bill phoned her brother Bob and said, Are you sitting down? You know our sister that died while she's sitting next to me? Bob was so shocked he put the phone down. Later they met and he hugged her and said, Hello, sis. He had tears in his eyes. Don't start me off, Elaine said. She felt as though she was learning about her history, but there were still so many unanswered questions and she was desperate to meet more of her siblings. Then she discovered her sister Jacqueline's surname, which was now Green. She logged onto Facebook and began scrolling through every Jacqueline Green that she could find. She was about to give up when a woman's profile, Jackie Green, caught her eye. 
She reminded Elaine of someone, but at first she couldn't work it out. Then it struck her. She looked like an older version of herself. She called her daughter Elaine as she came straight over. Do you see the resemblance, she said. No, Elaine said. Wait, hang on. Yes, the eyes. They look like yours, Mum. They looked at Jacqueline's other photograph and decided it could be her sister. Facebook showed they had 38 friends in common, all from bingo. Elaine's hands trembled as she tapped out a message. You're going to think I'm crazy, but I'm trying to contact my sister. The names of my birth parents were Alice Kill and Dennis William Taylor. That night, she received a reply. It began with the words, oh my God. Sure enough, Jackie Green was her long-lost sister. Over the course of that night and the following days, they exchanged messages and then phone numbers talking for hours. Elaine told, told her how her adopted mum and dad had rescued her and how her dad had fallen in love with her when he saw her lying in a filing drawer that was being used as a makeshift cot in the police station. He died when I was five, Elaine wrote, but to me he was so special. Jackie told Elaine she'd been raised and born in Southwark, South London. They had the same mum but different dads and she'd been brought up by her father. Three days later they were chatting when something struck her. Isn't it strange we have 38 friends in common, she typed, all from bingo. I've been using the site for years, Jackie said. It's so much fun. Me too, Elaine typed. What's your chat room name? Her reply made her head spin. Whiskey 666, she said. Jackie, I'm Dukey, she typed. Phone me. Suddenly they were both sobbing down the phone. I can't believe it, she said. You're my sister and my terrible twin. The realisation was overwhelming. Jackie had been talking to her half-sister for eight years. Forget half, Jackie said. You're my little sister. Tears welled in her eyes as she said, I've waited 59 years to hear that. Oh love, she replied, I wish I could hug you. Jackie and her had somehow found each other despite living 300 miles apart and life taking them in very different directions. I can't wait to see you when we meet, she said. They arranged to get together for Jackie's 65th birthday in London. Elaine got off the train and as she laid eyes on her sister for the first time, they clung to each other for dear life. It's freezing, Jackie said, let's check into our hotel. They went up to the room and Jackie said... Are you going to put the kettle on? Give us a chance, Elaine said. That night they had their dinner and chatted about their lies. They spent the whole night laughing. They had so much in common besides sisters and the love of bingo. When it was time to go home to County Durham, Elaine felt sad, but they continued to chat over the phone every week. Then they were asked to appear on Good Morning Britain and jumped at the chance. Jack and her loved being on TV. Then they were asked to go on ITV News and several radio shows. Afterwards, Arge from the programme Towie came over and said... Are you the bingo sisters? Yes, Jackie replied. My niece loves your show. Can I have a selfie? Arge asked. They nodded their heads. Are you going to put the picture on your fridge? Jackie said. Yes, said Arge. Jackie opened her mouth, but I said, Not another word, sis. You'll get us in trouble. They all burst out laughing. Elaine's so glad she met Jackie. She feels like she's known her for years. She just can't believe she was her terrible twin. You couldn't make it up. And now she's also managed to find her sister, Wendy, and they've arranged to meet up. Elaine says you can't put into words how excited she feels. Do you know something? That is just the most incredible story. Isn't it? What a coincidence. It really, really is. And do you know, I was sitting here thinking, why does this story sound so familiar? And Mm. it was when you said uh, she was on GMB. I saw that. Did you? I actually saw it. And it was, I remember at the time thinking of all the, you know, of of all the chances that could have been eight years. It's insane, isn't it? Oh, it really, really is. They could have never known if her daughter hadn't found out. That's a scary thing. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, do you know something? What an amazing story. Do you know that's so uplifting? She's so happy. Yeah, it's really nice. Really, really uplifting. Okay, well, listen, Donna, we've got another story from this week's Take a Break magazine. And uh, this is Leave Her Before She Kills You. Yeah, so this is by a lady called Deborah. 
As the man strutted around the pub singing an Elvis song into the karaoke mic, Deborah found herself fixated. Got a crush on him, her friend Lorraine asked. Shut up, she said, although she had to admit there was definitely something about him. After several glasses of wine, she went over. I'm Deborah, she said. He took a sip from his pint and said, I'm David. David was tall, had a fantastic grin and twinkly eyes. He told her he was a solicitor and that he'd been married once before, but he had no children. Deborah's marriage had broken down 18 months earlier and she soon discovered how clever David was as he advised her on her divorce. Fancy dinner tomorrow night, he said. I'd love to, Deborah replied. Their date went better than she ever could have imagined. They instantly clicked and just days later, David moved into her home. Her two sons, Matthew and Gavin, had already flown the nest, but her girls, Jade and Jessica, 12 and 9, adored him. David was a real laugh and a true gentleman. Deborah was always exhausted from her job in a care home, but David knew how to look after her. Put your feet up, he'd say, I'll make dinner tonight. And life was never boring with David. The pair went out for meals to the theatre and enjoyed holidays abroad. One night Deborah was in bed when her phone pinged. The text was from David who was downstairs watching TV. Shall we have a baby, he'd texted. Even though they'd only been together a few months, his question didn't surprise her. But she was sure that being 42, she wouldn't be able to conceive. So she replied, all right then. Months later, she was even more exhausted. While David was out, she took a pregnancy test. And when the results appeared, she grabbed her phone. She, I'm pregnant, she said. This is the best news ever, David replied. In time, she had the daughter, Mahalia. David was excited to be a dad, but it wasn't always plain sailing. On one occasion, Deborah came home to find baby bottles everywhere and Mahalia's nappy outs inside out. How did this happen, she said. David flashed a grin and said, oops. But as years passed, all the fun they'd once had seemed to fade. With David working long hours and Deborah at home looking after Mahalia, they spent less and less time together. When Mahalia was five, they separated but remained good friends. Deborah still did David's washing and he came to see their daughter four times a week, often staying for tea. Seven months later, he met someone new. David told her the new person's name was Sharon and he was clearly besotted with her. As long as Mahalia liked her, Deborah was happy. One day, David arrived at Deborah's with his arm in a sling. What happened to you, she said. Oh, I fell down the stairs, he said. Silly sod, she teased. After that, David seemed to have a new injury every time she saw him. First it was a scratch face, then a split lip. What have you done now, she asked. Oh, I walked into the garage door, he said. Deborah couldn't believe how accident prone he'd become. But then he began to lose weight rapidly. Your clothes are hanging off you, she said. Well, the doctor says I'm fine, David said. But there were other things too. David had once taken great pride in his appearance, yet now he was unshaven and his clothes were crumpled. Are you and Sharon okay, Deborah asked. Yeah, we're fine, he said. Soon after, Sharon moved into David's home and they got engaged. Sharon started calling and texting Deborah, saying that if she wanted David to talk to Malia, sorry, to see Malia, then she had to do it through her. And it was Sharon who brought round the maintenance money every month. Deborah was fuming. On Father's Day, David phoned her. I'm sorry I can't see our daughter today, he said. When she asked him why he didn't answer, it struck Deborah as odd. She drove to his house and when she saw him, she threw her arms round him. What the, she said. David had deep scratches down the side of his face that looked like fingernail marks. His ear and lip were split and there were fingerprint bruising on his throat. His whole body was trembling. I fell, he said. I don't believe you, Deborah said. But when she pushed him for answers, he clammed up. She began to suspect that David was in danger. A week later, he married Sharon in Las Vegas. When they got back, she spoke to him. I don't want Mahalia around Sharon, she said. David begged and pleaded to see his daughter, and in the end, she couldn't deny him. You can have her for an afternoon, she said. 
She gave her daughter a phone so she could call her, then she dropped her off. Two hours later, Mahalia video called her. She could barely breathe for crying. What's wrong? she asked. Mummy, come quick, she said. Sharon has hit Daddy and broken his glasses. Deborah fled the house and drove round in a panic. As she pulled up, Mahalia sprinted towards her and jumped in the car. David stood outside with his head bowed. How could you let this happen, she said. Mahalia's never coming back here again. Back at her home, she didn't know what to do. David never heard to fly and Sharon was clearly taking advantage of his soft nature. Why wouldn't he leave her? Days later, he called her from work sobbing. Please let me see Mahalia, he said. You can if you come here, she told him. Sharon won't let me, he said. My life is hell down there. I'm in living hell. David, you need to get out of the relationship, she said. Kick her out or leave. I can't, he said. If you don't, she's going to end up killing you, I said. I hung up and felt utter despair. Two and a half weeks later, I was making breakfast when there was a knock at the door. When Deborah saw the police officers, her heart started pounding. What's happened, she asked. I'm afraid David Edwards is dead, the officer said. No, she cried. We believe he was stabbed in the heart with a kitchen knife, he added. It was her, wasn't it, Deborah said. She slumped into the sofa and cried. She couldn't take it in. After the police had left, she sat Mahalia down. She cuddled her and said, Daddy still loves you, but he's gone to heaven. Why, she asked. Deborah paused and then she told her. David was so popular she knew everyone would be talking about him, even Mahalia's school friends. It was best she knew the truth. In time, Sharon Edwards of Lancashire appeared at Manchester Crown Court and denied murdering David. The jury heard that David told a colleague how Sharon had hit him with a coffee table and an ashtray. They also heard how he'd made, had to wear makeup to cover a black eye on their wedding day. Two months later, his new wife had stabbed him with a kitchen knife after he'd told her he was being made redundant. Doctors found 60 injuries on David's body, 30 of which were cut or prod wounds, including stab marks to his thigh, knee, fingers and scalp. Sharon, who had previous convictions and cautions related to domestic abuse, tried to claim David had walked into the knife, but jurors didn't believe her. She was found guilty of David's murder and jailed for life. Deborah would do anything to see David again. He was only 51 and had so much to live for, including their beautiful daughter. Mahalia, now seven, believes he's still with us, them in spirit and talks about him all the time. She thinks David refused to get help because he felt ashamed about being attacked by a woman. He was trapped in their relationship and didn't know how to escape. Deborah wants people to acknowledge that men can also be victims of domestic violence. It's hard for her to believe that David has gone. But if telling his story helps one man to seek help, some good will have come from her loss. Do you know something? It's the most tragic, so tragic sad. ending to this story. And, I know. You know, it's it's unbelievable, actually. I remember seeing a feature mm. about this, and I, mm. I have heard about this story before. It's I, terrible. And, you know, the amount of men that are mm. abused by mm. women. Because I, I think when people think of domestic violence, they think it's, it's you know, men hitting around, women. Yeah. And no, definitely. It, it goes both ways, and it's unbelievable. Mm. You know, men, a mm. lot of men just won't seek help. No, and he obviously um, knew the law because he was a solicitor and stuff. It just makes it so hard to understand. But it's the same, isn't it? You just feel like you can't have a way out, really, I think. Absolutely. Well, you know, this little girl, she's, uh, you know, t to grow up with that. I know, it's terrible. You know, legacy is just awful yeah. for her. But, you know, thank goodness she's got an amazing mum. Yeah, definitely. She sounds like a great woman. Well, listen, thank you. Speaking of great women, you're a great <laughs> woman yourself. And thank you so much, Donna, for taking us through this Not week's a Take problem. a Break magazine. Um, obviously, if anybody wants to get a copy of the new issue then it is out now so please yep. do go out and get it but you can also take a look online it's a fully accessible website have you got the web address 
Yes, it's www.takeabreak.co.uk. Fantastic. Donna Smiley, feature writer from Take a Break magazine, thank you so much for joining us here on RNIB Connect Radio.